Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, Gareth, uh, fantastic to have you along on the Arate podcast today. I think we've known each other for about six months uh, since you joined uh, the Arate Champions Forum. And uh, it's really great to have the opportunity to learn more about you and your business. So perhaps why don't we just start off with just uh, tell us about, you know, what you're currently doing professionally. Yeah, thanks, Richard. I um, It's good to actually be on the podcast, but I'm, uh, yeah, so we've been... Uh, uh, managing director of SafeAssure, and we are a specialist kind of consulting firm that looks at workplace health and safety, quality, environmental management systems. Do a lot of investigations, and uh, we run and operate a team of about well, anywhere up to ten at any one time um, of consultants around the country. So, yeah. And you've been, had that business now for about coming on six and a half years. Yeah, six and a half years, and um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's grown uh, exponentially over the years, which has been good. But um, yeah, as we've talked about, it's been a, um, uh, I guess, a rise and a learning for myself, having not run a business before. But um, yeah, it's been challenging, but very re- rewarding as well. Fantastic. And uh, what are the type of clients that you work with? Uh, we work across all different industries. So obviously, my background um, spent a lot of time in construction. Um, both civil and, and building construction, but uh, we now work across rural education, uh, aged care, childcare, um, waste management. So, yeah, there's no industry really that we don't work in. Actually, mining, we do all that kind of stuff. Okay. And uh, would your clients um, typically come to you because they've got a bit of a crisis that they need to sort out or is it more a let's make sure we've got all of our systems in place uh, uh, beforehand? Yeah, look, definitely a bit of both. We uh, we do a lot. Obviously, we want to be working a lot up front and um, working with clients to you know, plan and, and work with them to you know, manage the risks in their business, both from or from across safety, quality and environmental. Uh, so mm-hmm. we do a lot of systems development. Um, identifying, I think, the need for their conformance requirements. So, you know, working out, you know, who dictates how they have to work. Obviously, we all have legislation, but most businesses have other uh, areas, whether it's external stakeholders or regulators or um, different accreditation schemes that they have to comply with. So we, we do a lot of that. But then we also do work on the, the other end where we get called in reactively um, off the back of incidents or uh, issues that, that have happened on site. So, um, again, as uh, investigating anywhere from fatalities down to work cover and public liability claims mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff as well so okay and um how would your clients normally find out about you originally um probably just a network to be honest we've I've got a very strong network of, of people and and referral source um is obviously very important we work with a pool of um contractors within the business but then we have an arrangement and partnerships with a range of other um, providers who are slightly offset but complement our business. So it's anywhere from past clients, people we've worked with. Um, I was lucky enough to be um, the National Safety Manager or Safety, Quality, Environmental and Rehab for Hutchinson Builders, which created a pretty big um, network in itself. So 
um, people move on, people you engage with during that time. You know, we still have each other's phone numbers and we get called out of the blue, which is, um, I guess, the credit to the relationships that we had then. But, um, yeah, generally networks. We get still, little... Sorry, do you still wear the uh, the famous Hutchies undies? <laughs> um, I have a pair of the Hutchies uh, budgies, <laughs> a few of those, <laughs> and a few of the Hutchies boxes, but unfortunately... Uh, as they say, when I go back onto job sites, everyone seems to tell me I've been in a good paddock. So I um, <laughs> don't necessarily fit as well as they used to, but we're working uh, on that. That's one of uh, one of this year's goals and through into next year as well. So uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, for those people who don't know what we're talking about, uh, uh, Hutchinson's, uh, Scott Hutchinson, who uh, I know, uh, uh, they have this, uh, this thing where they have Hutchinson's underpants and people take photographs of themselves wearing the underpants. I think I saw somebody standing on the Great Wall of China wearing a yes. pair of the underpants, and uh, it's mm. uh, it's a quite a fun thing to do. Very different, and uh, mm. it's got very notorious over the years. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. I mean, there's we, I've got one with with me and three other boys camping, and um, all in our Hutchies budgies on the side of the creek, and right. they're everywhere. So I mean, and look, and that's for other people if they want to know more about. Hutchies, they do the Hutchies Truth, where they publish those photos on the back of the magazine every quarter. I think it is. So yeah, I'm sure you can get the mail out if you want it. Mm. And I, I saw I saw a picture of Scott on Facebook recently, and he and somebody, I think they were dressed in a like fairy outfits or something at some uh, pub down in northern New South Wales playing pinball. So uh, yeah. yeah, he's quite he's quite a character, isn't he? Yeah, um, he is. yeah, definitely. Is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back back to the. Yeah. the Back to the topic again. Okay, well, look, yeah. uh, obviously keen to understand more about your business, but but, but yeah. why don't we just go back, uh, you know, this podcast, a lot of people who listen, you know, they're very interested in hearing the stories about yeah. people who become CEOs or start their own businesses uh, and uh, and learn from, you know, those who have walked the path before them. So take us a little back. You tell us a little bit about, you know, where were you born and tell us about what mum and dad were up to, brothers and sisters, yeah. et cetera. Yep. So, um I, uh, mum and dad actually both from the UK, but met out here separately in Queensland. Um, mm-hmm. Dad was here as a working as an engineer, as a civil engineer, um, but was playing rugby as well. Played for Queensland um, back in the late seventies, uh, rugby union, and um, but then somehow by him moving around with work, uh, my sister was born in the Philippines. Um, I was born in Newcastle, uh, in Belmont, down there. And we, but then we moved back to Queensland when I was about six. Um, grew up here and always been kind of western suburbs of Brisbane. Um, you know, Jambri Heights, Tuong, yeah. Kenmore, all those kind of areas. So I, I grew up in Middle Park. Okay, yeah, Doing good. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, not far from it. So um, I went to Jambri Heights um, Primary there, and um, and then went to uh, BBC uh, Brisbane Boys College in Brisbane um, from about grade five, I think. So, and what did you want to be when you grow up? When you were uh, in school, what did you think you wanted to be? I thought I could be a professional sportsman, but uh, that didn't uh, didn't pan out. I, you know, I wasn't doing too badly. I, um, yeah, I was a year below my actual my grade, so I was a year younger than than everyone else, and two on some of my mates, but. Um, yeah, so I still uh, played a, a year. I played first with Dean, was captain of swimming at school, uh, went to nationals for all that, played rep footy, rep water polo, all that kind of stuff. But, right. um, yeah, when I, I kind of threw all my time and energy into that and probably didn't do as well as I should have at schooling. But, um, 
So as I went to leave, we applied for your, your course and your subjects for uni. Um, I think my first choice was to become a teacher. I wanted to be a PE teacher back at BBC would have done me just fine. But um, I my third preference was a Bachelor of Health Science at QUT, majoring in health, safety and environment. Um, again, being a bit young and um, I don't think they can uh, historically uh, prosecute me for it, but I was young, left school, played rugby and, and drank too much alcohol at 16. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't do overly well at university. And in my first year, so I decided, you know, I was probably a bit immature for uni and I took a year off. So Gareth, um, I, just, I would have thought it would have been easier to get into teaching than it would have been to get into that QUT course. No, teaching then. So I, I got an AP13, um, which was, yeah, look, well below where I, well, I believe my academic ability was at the time, but I just didn't dedicate time to it at school. And teaching, I can't remember. Anyway, I got into this. I think it was a 13, and I think teaching was a... I don't know, 11 or a 9 or something like okay. that. So, yeah, so I was going to do a year and upgrade was always my plan. Right. Um, I, yeah, passed not a lot of subjects out of the eight <laughs> that I did in my first year and took a year off and I went and worked around Queensland. So I went and worked in Gladstone. Um, Dad was up there with a company called Golding Contractors. He was oh, yeah. the CEO of Goldings. Um, and I went and worked for them a little bit. Uh, went out to Phosphate Hill up near Mount Isa. Worked at Queensland Alumina in Gladstone. I worked, continued to work down here at the Brisbane markets and a whole range of different things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of have always been brought up that if you start something, you finish it. So I said, well, three course, you know, three or four credits, whatever I had in that first year is better than none. So I'll, I'll keep going. So I, I went through and um, obviously had left the, the guys who I started my course with behind and or I was behind them and um, mm -hmm. went in with a new group and finished off my degree um, with that crowd. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of got a job out of school with at um, Smorgan Steel Tube Mills, which was the old Ross Palmer Tube Mills, yeah. um, which was good. I worked on a, a new mill installation there as a project safety advisor and then moved to the, one of their R&D teams, which is a thing called Dogbone, which some people may have heard of, but a, a light steel beam that was cutting edge at the time. Um, and then I got asked to go to New Caledonia with Komatsu on a three-month contract. So I went there, and which was a real eye-opener um, for a young, oh, I can't remember what I would have been then, 22 or something, just married. Uh, in fact, my wife just fell pregnant um, just before I, I left kind of thing. So she was, I was away for the first three months of the pregnancy with our, our first son. So, um, yeah, I was over there working with the, the locals, and with expats on on the mining equipment and the fleet vehicles, which is a really good experience. And then moved back into Brisbane with the Komatsu team for about another 12, 18 months in, in Sherwood and southeast Queensland. So, yeah, that was a good good experience, that. And then I've just kind of continued on from there, moved to civil construction with a company called McElwain Civil, or McElwain's they are now, for five years as their systems manager and got them up to certification across all three standards and, and started their journey on federal safety commissioner um, accreditation and then moved to Hutchies after that. So, yeah, it's been a, a good, um, uh, whatever it is now, 17, 18 years of working in this career. And then after Hutchies for four years, I decided to yeah have a crack on my own. So, and so what, what, what was it uh, that originally inspired you to have your own business? Um. Oh, look, I'm not, not um, 
Yeah, telling anything that, that people who know me don't know, but um, there were just some changes that uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with and things that I didn't see coming, and I just thought it was a good opportunity. Um, like, I still have a great relationship with Hutchies and do a lot of work for them, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're great people. Um, but I just thought, yeah, I think some of the things, and it wasn't just them, you know, all employers, I mean, the internal... I guess kind of politics and stuff didn't necessarily appeal to me and I, I wanted to kind of run my own race and give people the advice that, you know, I thought was on offer and help them to achieve what, what they wanted to achieve, which we we achieved amazing things, I think, in my time, my four years at Hutchies, and they've kicked on in my space um, with, yeah, the guy I, I recommended for to replace me kind of thing um, and the team that are there. They've done a great job in the system space, but... Um, yeah, I just I like the idea of working across industries, meeting new people, um, and as I say, supporting people who either reach out to me because they want to, you know, create safer workplaces, or um, you know, obviously there's a range of different uh, motivations for why they they talk to us. But um, you know, if, if if business owners are asking us to get involved, then you know that their their head and their heart are generally in the right place, and they're going to do something about it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's important. So when you are, uh, you know, we're, we're going through this decision-making process about starting your own business, mm. what what was, I mean, obviously you're very competent in the health and safety space, but as you said, you know, you'd never owned a business before, you'd never been a CEO or a managing director before. What what were the sort of things you were thinking about and, oh, if I'm going to do this, I need to become really good at this or I need to get some advice or mentoring about that. Where did you yeah. see the gaps that you thought you needed to fill? Yeah, I think um, it's really funny, Richard. I, I don't, um, I'm not someone who, who fears for the future. So I, you know, at that stage, we, I think we had a welcome surprise of our fourth child on the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were, what did we do? I think we just sold our house actually too, and we were renting or we were about to sell our house. And so there was a lot going on. Uh, yeah, my wife had to stop work because of the pregnancy with the fourth baby. So, but, you know, we had a great network again. Um, I knew I had some work to, to continue on with with Hutchies and um, some other clients who really supported me. Uh, in that starter phase. So I never worried about the future or revenue or income or any of that kind of stuff. Um, one thing that I really, really appeals to me is is out meeting people and sitting with them and talking about what their problems are, not just from a work front, but um, trying to resonate with them on a personal level. So, I, yeah, I was never concerned about that. Um, I think the financial aspect and the back end of running a business probably was something that that started to bother me. But I've got good mentors. I, I did reach out to one of my clients at the time and asked him to do a bit of mentoring with me. Uh, obviously, as I said, my dad's a, a CEO of a you know at the time you know five hundred and fifty million dollar a year um, civil and mining business. So. And he took them when he started there across 10 years from, you know, 45 million to that, that number. So they'd done a, the team that he'd put in place and, and overseen had done a great job to get there. So, you know, I've got some good advice um, and mentor uh, people around me. So, so that wasn't too much of an issue, but I, I think it's probably just a general accounting and, and bookkeeping and management side of things and, and understanding um yeah, you know, I, I did actually go and do a business coaching course, a three-month program um, with a gentleman, which was good. And I learned things that I didn't know, you know, even as silly as it sounds, the basics of reading your, you know, your balance sheets, your, um, 
your profit and loss and, and how it all ties together. Um, you know, I've moved in six years. I've had three different accountants and the accounts I've got now, each good for the stage of the business I was in, but um, certain things fell off hence we moved. So the guys I've got now are excellent um, and, and really happy and they, they you know, they're like us. That Yes, they have a price and all that, but they're willing to work outside of that and talk to you and, and mentor you or help you through problems without obviously always just sticking out the hand, you know. Um, mm. I think they're, they're really great and they understand that what they get back from the relationship is more than just one client and, and you know, one set of fees kind of thing. So they're really good in that that sort of thing. So, look, I, we, we're still not, I still say we're not great at managing the financial aspect um, and, and, the, and having the line between being a business and, a, and a, a family as well. So, you know, having that separation between business and personal um but you know it's a it's a great business we do we do well and um i think we deliver great outcomes for our clients so does your yeah, wife those, work in the business gareth um yeah by default only like so she does the um the reconciling and um the paying of people but i do have an, some admin um, team and i've actually added a second admin person next year because just the way it works, yeah, just trying to break up the roles so there's actually mm-hmm. definition between, you know, a, a, a PA for want of a better term and business admin as well as then doing all the other stuff that a small business requires to keep right. running. So I, I um, think that uh, there is a, so a fantastic podcast series for somebody who wants to do it, not me, on mm. how to successfully work in business <laughs> with your spouse. Right, yeah. whether you are, because uh, I tell you what, it's not for the faint-hearted, but uh, yeah, those who can do it well, it's fantastic. And so, you know, six years into your business, um, mm. if you thought about what some of the key milestones in terms of the, the development of the business and so on during that period, you know, what are some of the the key things that you've done or or particular achievements that you're most proud of? Um, from respect to the business growth, I think we now you know, sustain um, oh, three or three internal staff, which is good. And the rest of our team is a contractor model with, with a pool of contractors. So, you know, it always, you know, even through COVID, I guess one of the things that I was really proud of is that we actually converted, a, I guess, a, um, a temp person who'd been with us 11 months to a per- or part-time permanent position, those kind of things. So rather than falling back on the governor, maybe this is naive, um, falling back on the government to support us. We actually guaranteed people's security. Um, right. And even with our contractors where we consolidated workers um, or consolidated work internally, we made sure that we shared the love around to the best of our ability. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we had a drop-off in revenue, but we still tried to share. So you know, everyone was getting a level of work allocated to them um, rather than just giving it to one or two particular people. So... Um, I, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I, I take, um, yeah, I, I take a lot of responsibility for even though they're contractors, they're part of our family mm-hmm. um, and make sure that, you know, that they can still put food on the table. I mean, it's been hard. A lot of people have pushed their payment cycles out and we've tried to maintain that. Obviously, that's not always the case, but we've, mm-hmm. we've done our best. Um, so that's been a good a good thing and we've come through COVID and we're, um, yeah, we're probably back on now our normal revenue to what we were 12 months ago, which is good. Okay. Um, we've, yeah, and we've, we've got some good relationships who have signed us up for work this year and, and into next year and things like that. So, yeah, look, that's probably some of the main things. Um, yeah, so we that, have – yeah. 
Okay. Oh, well, that's good. And so let's say that I am a, uh, I own a business, uh, which obviously yeah. I do, but more a business, you know, instead of an industrial space, let's say. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I'm coming to you because I haven't really sort of put, you know, the attention or the systems and process in place around the areas that you are, you consulting to, you know, talk, talk about, you know, what are some of the challenges that business face and what are the things that they need to think about in relation to the work that you do? Yeah, it's actually probably a good, like just today, this morning, I've been out and uh, handing over a, a suite of our documents and running some training for their supervisors, only a small residential builder. But again, they run four or five jobs in a high-risk industry with high-risk work being done all the time. Um, so we, you know, I guess the thing is that initial meeting that we had with them was trying to explain to them. Um, but even now, we've written the documents and they've they picked them up. But explaining to them about what their first of all their obligations are um, and what their their obligations to their workers, their contractors, the public, all that kind of stuff. But then also the legal aspect that applies to them. So obviously, I mean you'd be under a rock if you're a business owner or a managing director or CEO and you haven't obviously heard the term industrial manslaughter um, over the last 18 months or so, a little bit longer in Queensland. But um, there's all those risks now that are coming into place for business owners where, um, you know, there's there's, uh, potential for you to get charged and spend jail time as a result of an industrial accident. So um, we, we try and... You know, press those points with them, but I think more importantly, we try and identify the fact that at the end of the day, if you look after your people and the people that work on your sites and and do the right thing, where you you know where you create a incident injury free um, or to the best of your ability incident injury free um, site, the legal aspect generally will take care of itself. Um, I think so. We'd sit down and we have those conversations, and and we map out, as I started to say before, what the conformance criteria is. So, are there other things that you need to comply with? What are your personal uh, expectations? Um, what's your company culture? What's your, um, you know, your your value in your business and your place and your workers? All those kind of things. So we try and get a feel for who they are, what they do, and what they stand for, and then we try and apply that to the systems that we develop for them. So the first step potentially is doing a gap analysis or a bit of a 360 review of the business around the elements that we we agree um, and come back to them either with a report that details recommendations or findings, recommendations. Uh, we can do it with non-conformances, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then we then work with them to say, all right, well, what do you want to handle in-house? Do you want us to support you further in, in developing systems uh, for you that fill that gap? So, um, one thing we've prided ourselves on is not being a cookie cutter um, system. So we don't we don't just um, do find and replace and and throw the name on and send it out to them. So we we make sure we at all levels get to know the business, know the risks that apply to that business, and then um, develop the systems to suit. Uh, sometimes, yeah, that will will be more time and effort and and more money, but it's important because the business. The system has to work for the business, so um, that's what we try and do. Okay, so uh, obviously without breaching any confidentiality, so this residential yep. builder, you yep. um, you start off by uh, once you understand the sort of the boundaries of the project and so on, yep. then you would essentially do an audit, come up with some recommendations, and so how long would that audit process normally take? 
Um, so the residential bill is a little bit different. They they signed up to one of our 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 plans and our systems that suits them. But what we do for them is we, uh, and I'll touch on the auditing process for other clients, but they sign up, we we send them out our fact finder that details what activities they self-perform and what they don't, um, what they perform in-house or what, what they do both. So sometimes they might do some of the work, sometimes they'll engage a contractor. And that dictates the types of systems and safe work method statements and all that kind of stuff that they need to have and also the risk management plan that sits over the project. So um, that's how that one works. If someone engages to do a, a gap analysis for them, um, it, look, it depends on size of business, industry, all that kind of stuff. But generally, you're probably looking at um, two to three days worth of time, um, two days spending with their staff, interviewing, reviewing documents, and a day kind of pulling it all together with report mm-hmm. writing and mm-hmm. and identifying the recommendations moving forward. So normally in that kind of space, again, dependent, uh, of course. And then, uh, and then it, you, you, as you said, or you touched on, you've got different ways that you can work with them on an ongoing basis from I imagine do it for you, do it with you or advise you and you do it yourself basically, right? Yeah, or leave it with you and, and give us a call and we'll give you advice for free over the phone on, on how you're tracking with it or right. you guys write it and come back to us and we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, review where you're at and, and give you some pointers to move forward. So, yeah, look, I think that's one of the things that we've tried to be really um, true to and even today with these guys they're like oh so what do we do from here and I said well you go and you set it up for each individual project now and uh, you call me when you have a problem and any of you guys can call me you're one of our clients now and you know if you've got an issue or you have a minor incident you're not sure how to deal with it just ring me and we'll give you the advice over the phone so Mm -hmm. um, yeah for no charge if he wants to come out and do an investigation obviously that's different but um, yeah we give the phone advice for free and try and help them them manage their business because you know you don't know what you don't know and and these guys who are builders that were carpenters and apprentices at one point they you know they get one course in in um health and safety and that's at the very start of their apprenticeship so Mm -hmm. since then they've had no training no exposure and they just you know that's what these guys said today said we we've had nothing we've done nothing and we we um yeah we need help We, we we need to get it all sorted because they don't want their, their blokes to get hurt and they don't want to go to jail. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as somebody who, uh, you know, originally wanted to be a sports person and then a teacher and then you kind of fell into this industry and you've done a few yeah. things and so what you know, what is it that, why are you passionate about this business? You know, uh, uh, what's your why? Because, uh, you know, you're obviously a very talented person. You can do quite a, mm-hmm. a range of things. What is it about health and safety in particular that gets you juiced? Yeah, it's look. It's definitely. I agree. It's definitely something I fell into. Um, you know, still for a number of years, I've said I won't be in this when I retire, and yeah, you know, I may not be, and I, and I may be. You know, there's there's all the people experts that say whatever. You have seven to nine different careers in your life, but I I do enjoy this. I'm good at it. Um, I think there's a few different things. Um, you know, I had a a, a best mate who when I was Oh, I was 18, he was 20, he committed suicide, who I was living with, and that was pretty traumatic. And then we applied that to, to workplaces and you saw people, um, you know, getting seriously injured. I've, I've sat by hospital beds on behalf of the companies, but sat by hospital beds. I've sat with wives and families and, and all that kind of stuff um, with people who have had serious brain injuries or, or really serious injuries where they've never worked again. And and that kind of stuff all resonates, whether it's in work and, and obviously the ex- outside of work stuff, which is 
becoming more and more um, prevalent now around mental health and all the rest of it. So all those things kind of, yeah, yeah, do resonate with me. I've got a young family. I've got four kids um, ranging from 15 to six. And, you know, I don't want my kids to go through that. And I sure as heck am what I explained even as, as recently as this morning again. I said, I don't want you guys to have to call his mum, his wife, his, um, you know, sister or whoever and say, um, yeah, he's in hospital or he's, he's even worse, he's not coming home. So that's probably the stuff that really yeah, hits home with me. And when I talk about some of the stories, you know, like I say, I've, I've investigated a few fatalities. Um, I've given evidence in court and, and, yeah, having to talk to families or sit there with people who, you know, say they they tried to kill their own wife because of the medication, the pain and all that kind of stuff and tried, you know, to harm themselves even further after an incident or any of those kind of things. It's it's pretty, um, yeah, when I tell those stories in front of groups of people, I, yeah, and I'm not personally the person who's had these incidents. Um, yeah, I get pretty choked up about them. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it definitely resonates. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I look at, I, as you know, because you attend uh I run my champions forums and there was a, a chap on one of those uh, recently who one of his workers had uh, uh, died whilst on site. And uh, just to just, you know, as the owner of that business, the uh, incredible sort of responsibility and guilt and sorrow mm. that he felt, you know, this person worked in his team, but he was their friend. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, fantastic to be able to work in a profession where you can have such a profound difference in people's lives what yeah. about what about as a, a business owner you know six years in now what would you say uh what would you what do you most enjoy about owning your own business and what do you least enjoy um i think the thing i most enjoy is probably the flexibility it provides for me so again having a young family you know, I'm sure like yourself, I, I work some pretty big hours each week, um, but I work them when I want to. So, yeah, I might get up at four and, yeah, it might stop me going to the gym, but I work then because, you know, that morning I might have to take my kids to school or I might have to, you know, I know in the afternoon I've got to pick them up or I've got to get something done before I go to a site meeting. So it gives me some flexibility um, to do that. So I do definitely enjoy that, but I enjoy as I said before, getting out, meeting new people, um, building new relationships. I really love the sitting and interacting with with people, which obviously COVID's made that a little bit tougher. But um, yeah, I haven't quite got to like yourself the fifteen minute uh, <laughs> calls with people. But uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy the one hour coffee sitting with someone, even though I don't drink coffee. But I do enjoy that that interaction. So um, yeah, but so that's probably those two things. Probably I think meeting more people and 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 talking to them and. And the thrill of winning new business, particularly pricing it and, and, and people putting their faith in you to deliver a really uh, important outcome for them. So mm-hmm. those things and probably the things I dislike the most, as bad as this sounds, is invoicing, um, trying to keep on top of the work we're doing and when the invoicing goes out and all that kind of stuff and yeah, all that financial stuff that sits behind it. I think that's um, hard, but I think some of the systems we put in place now and new resources will help streamline those processes and hopefully... Mm-hmm take a bit off myself so um yeah that, that's probably the main things um you know getting to a stage where it's a balancing act between being a practitioner and being a business you know owner mm, and, and a business in, manager working, working in, in or on yeah 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 for so sure. you know, I, 
I try and set myself a certain target to achieve in billable work. But again, my expertise is required where some of my other guys may not have it. So mm-hmm. I do that work. And yeah, anyway, it's 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 a it's a challenge, but it's not something I dislike. It's just yeah, trying to make sure I'm doing the right work that I enjoy. And how many times in the last six years have you said to yourself, oh, God, it would be so much easier to just go back and be an employee? Uh, probably never. I don't never? Think. Wow. No. I've thought I don't, that many I, times. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, I, I might have thought it and I may have said it to the missus, but I know it's not realistic. You know, not for right. what, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't think, yeah, you know, we've created a good business and I don't yeah. think um, working for someone both financially or um, just the the environment and having another boss would be, um, yeah, would be as enjoyable or, you know, despite some of the negatives I've just talked about, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever thought, mm. let's just go be an employee. Maybe once when the bank was struggling to give us a loan but for, our, for our house, but we're now in that house. So, yeah, probably never again. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I look at... Uh... I think I'm unemployable now. I think I've reached yeah, a point where right. I just go, nobody would hire me. I'd just be an absolute pain in the butt. And well, so uh, what about looking towards the future then? So, uh, you know, do you have a sort of clear vision about where you'd like the business to be, say, in five years, or do you have an exit strategy or anything like that yet? Um, I don't have an exit strategy. You know, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people over the years about, you know, mergers and buyouts and that kind of stuff, but I... Yeah, I haven't. It's it's not something I'm trying to do is to grow it, to sell it or anything like that. I'm 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 growing my business to, yeah, support me and support all the people that that depend on us as a business. Um, but the yeah, I think probably within the next um, five years, I would like to have kind of tripled where we're at. So we, you know, the last five first five years, we we tripled our revenue, and then we'll probably try and do the same again. We tend to go have a growth and then do the same kind of revenue for a couple of years and then have some growth and, and do it that yeah. way. But um, yeah, I'd like to be in five years, probably yeah, triple where we are now. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. And yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of uh, strategic alliances, you know, when you, you, you mentioned earlier, sort of, we, you know, we've got some alliances with people who aren't quite in our space, but uh, you know, there's yeah. a, there's this sort of mutual reciprocity about work. What are the what are the kinds of people that you like being in a strategic alliance with? In case somebody's listening to this and they go, "Oh, yeah. that's what I do. I should talk to Gareth." Yeah, yeah. So look, we we do it in a, in a range of different areas. So we try and offer, which sometimes is under our banner, and sometimes it's just a referral partner to say, "Go and talk to these guys." But we have relationships across um, in our kind of sphere of of key things that plug into what we do um we have um yeah occupational physicians and occupational hygienists we have hr and culture specialists uh, we have so because again we can do certain advice on hr but again it's not 100 percent in our in our wheelhouse when it gets really technical yet mm-hmm. we do harassment and bullying investigations so um, so HR, we have training and content development and a learning management system that we, we use and we partner with a firm on. Um, yeah, drug and alcohol testing, a whole range of different disciplines mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, we win government tenders off the back of our, you know, I try and price them uniquely, but we bring specialists in to support the work that we do. We don't say we can do everything, but we know we can get the right people um, who can do it. So a good example of that is... Um, we won the tender for um, the Sunshine Coast Airport. 
for the marine safety inspections. I've never done an inspection on a on a barge or a maritime vessel ever, um, mm-hmm. but we went in on the tender with a with a partner on that. They delivered the service there. We um, met the client's um, requirements, and we had a guy in Singapore investigate it. Uh, sorry, inspect it during while it was in dry dock before it came to Australia. So, you know, that's the kind of thing we offer to our clients. They ring us up. It's within health and safety or within that sphere on quality environment compliance, and we um, we go find the right people to deliver the outcome for them. Okay. And yeah. if you if you look back on your business over the last 60 years, the benefit of hindsight being 2020, is there anything, you know, oh, if I'd yeah. had my time over again, I would have done that differently? Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, we, we all work remotely. I mean, there's the whole argument. Yeah, did you should we have had an office earlier so we all interacted better? And but because of the model we have, that doesn't work. I don't think with contractors, I can't force a contractor to come work out of my office. Um, uh, I don't think so. I think we've done. Yeah, well, look, on my me and my family, we're really big believers in everything happens for a reason. So um, the decisions you make are part of your your path to get to the outcome. Yeah, that you're trying to achieve. So, look, maybe we could have grown a little bit quicker if we did things differently, but there's nothing that glaringly I just go, oh, I wish I didn't do that because there's things that I, I, there are things that I can look at and go, I'm really glad I didn't do that um, because I I would have ended up there and I'm now here. So, there's definitely things in that space. But um, yeah, there's nothing that I think, yeah, categorically, geez, I I, I stuffed that up, you know. So, that's good. That's, yeah. Other than the odd tender, and I, you know, there was one tender I did where I, I didn't know the amount of work that would get put out, and I probably put my price up too high because I wasn't sure on what it would actually do for us. And in reality, I should have put my price down, and because of what it would have done for us as our name and our reputation, potentially mm. workload. But again, I still don't know what that output of work was from that particular tender. But yeah, it just would have been good for us in our name. But yeah, look, I think we've done everything pretty well on that side and like I say if you have the right um, interests at heart and, and serve your clients to the best of your ability then everything else should kind of take care of itself mm-hmm. well I think there's there would be few uh, business owners who would not who would look back and say there's nothing that I regret you know I certainly look at my business and go, oh, I did I made some pretty dumb mistakes uh, 11 and a half years so uh, hopefully I'm starting to get the hang of it but uh, <laughs> yeah I don't, uh, yeah it's hard to say. Like I've probably never been asked that question, but um, yeah, look, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe again, more around the um, understanding the intricacies of your business a bit more earlier might have helped. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing that I think is catastrophically wrong. We've um, yeah, we've grown and we've ended up in the point we're at now, both professionally and, and in our family life. So I'm, I'm doing something right, I think. So yeah, it's good. Excellent, and. Uh... Uh, to be a little self-serving for a moment, how, tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, Champions Forum experience. You've been in for a few yeah. months now. Uh, you know, what, what's uh, what are you enjoying about it? Yeah, so I think as I, I kind of said, I've done a business coaching course, which was three months, and um, I I got what I needed out of that, but I didn't think the next stage of that could take me further, um, or or that I needed to kind of outlay that to, to, to achieve what they were, they were offering. But I think the thing for me is being a business owner, 
and again, some will say, well, this is ridiculous, but I don't think I've done a whole heap of CPD over that time. You know, Mm -hmm. you network, you meet people, you may listen to some webinars and stuff like that, but I haven't, um, I haven't, you know, I think the thing for me is learning from the other business owners and and the challenges they're going through. I share the stuff that that I'm trying to do and trying to grow my business. You know, 90% of people would have been through the same thing before. So I think the thing from champions that I like is that, um, I'm getting that interaction. You're learning professionally about, you know, what's working for other people, what's working and not working for them. Um, and again, they're from all walks of life. You know, I first got to know you um, through a referral when I was the chair of a, um, a not-for-profit. Um, and I think we tried to use you to help us find a CEO or a, a couple more board members. Um, and then, yeah, I guess joining the forum, you know, I've got a couple of not-for-profits on the board, on, on our, our group, a couple of not-for-profits, some small business owners, some MDs of large businesses. So it's a good cross-section. Um, and again, it opens up an opportunity, you know, not not necessarily for fees, but to help people who are in that space. And I, I like giving my two cents worth, which is what we do all day, every day at the moment, you know, in, in my business, um, in my space. And and vice versa in return, getting that feedback. Um, you know, I mean, even a couple of the things that we talked about, you know, I wasn't happy about um, the way we were running a bit of a, a monthly thing during COVID with our clients in a conversation. There's someone in our group that, you know, can help me uh, improve my um, regular online meetings and whether we turn that into, you know, either it's a podcast or a, or a um, webinar type format. So those kind of things, meeting with other small business owners who are trying to get out into different areas. So, yeah, those kind of things are what probably, yeah, adds value to, to me and um, hopefully I add value back in return. Oh, that's good, Gareth. I think one of the things, you know, I've been doing these for a long time now is is that we all think our problems are so unique to us. You know, we're a precious little snowflake and nobody would understand my problems. And then you mm. get into a group and whether it's somebody running a, you know, 5,000 employee business or a, 20 employee business or whether they're in health and safety or they're in manufacturing or whatever, largely our problems are very, very similar. And, and so uh, the cross sort of fertilization of ideas and strategies and potential introductions and so on, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I am very humbled by, uh, uh, you know, it's over 220 people participating now mm. every month and uh, it's been fantastic. And so Gareth, uh, before we wrap it up, we've, uh, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, your professional life and your business and so on um what's gareth get up to when he's not at work i mean obviously with four kids i understand that you know you probably yeah. life is very much around kids but uh uh what, what, yeah. what do you do to uh to recalibrate and you know get the petrol back in the tank yeah um there's not a lot of that not a lot of recalibrating at the moment we've just moved into our new house that's been built had been being built since february or something so i am um prepping for turf and building fences and building uh, retaining walls and all that kind of stuff. So that's it at the moment, which I actually really enjoy. And it's, um, I like getting uh, hands in on that. So, but other than that, look, um, I like sports. So obviously I'm a sports fanatic. I mean, even um, during origin last night, which was a great result for anyone listening. um, We, uh, you know, the kids are asking me, Oh, I've never seen that kid. And I know them all and not just league across a lot of sports. So I really enjoy that stuff. You know, like today's the, NBA um, draft and all that kind of stuff. So follow all of that. So yeah, definitely sports and um, yeah, like you say, kids, four kids. It's um, pretty chaotic from dropping <laughs> to butt, but 
the one thing that actually is really enjoying is seeing the kids as they, you know, I've got one now at private school and she's trying sports that you just don't get access to, like she's doing rowing this year and I was a swimmer and right. she'd been swimming the last couple of years but wanted to try rowing. So those kind of things have been really good. But, yeah, it's the early mornings and the late afternoons and all that kind of stuff. But it's what we signed up for, I guess. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I, I suppose if you're going to have four kids at private school, you're going to need to triple your revenue, are you? <laughs> well, only only uh, yeah, two or three at private school at one time. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, – <laughs> Oh, I, I know it was a lot cheaper when we went through, but it's it's yeah, it's crazy nowadays. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I look back. I went to grammar and, uh, you yeah. know, my parents, my dad was a university academic and my mum was a nurse. So it's not like they mm. earned great money. And I think back now what they sacrificed in order to put my brother and I in, into a private school, um, mm. it's massive, you know. And uh, let alone now, I think what, what BBC fees are, are, you know, you're probably talking every bit of $30,000 after tax. Yeah per yeah. kid per year i mean far out that is a lot of money so uh yeah i wonder whether it is worth it if you spent the same amount of money you know taking them around the world and if when we can travel again obviously um yeah but uh yeah, i think i think one thing yeah as silly as it sounds my wife always talks so my daughter's at st Aidan's and um my oldest boy is autistic so he goes to a special school but my youngest mm-hmm. um or my third child youngest son he's going to bbc next year but my wife's always said as silly as it sounds, you are paying for a network to go to a school like that. You know, you, you, mm. you're building a network of people both years above you, years below, and then when you leave school, obviously the alumni, um, someone could be 20 years older than you and that works in your favour, but not just within your school. It works across um, all the schools, you know, the conversation of, oh, I went to grammar, I went to BBC, what year, what did you play? You know, and you have that. Um, yeah, silly as it sounds, you know, I've got lots of mates that went to private, uh, public schools as well. I'm not saying that, but it does build automatic um, rapport with people. Um, mm. So, yeah, I find that um, quite good. And, you know, even this morning I caught up with a, a mate about business, but a guy that was in my grade and, um, yeah, because he went to school. So, yeah, it was good. Oh, good. Look, Gareth, I, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I'm sure uh, you've got a busy afternoon, so we'll wrap it up. But in yep. the show notes, we'll uh, share, uh, you know, a link to your uh, company website. And, and so if anybody would like to learn more about what Gareth does and how Gareth may be able to assist you in your business or perhaps in a strategic alliance or whatever it might be, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And if you'd like me to help you in connecting with Gareth, just let me know and I'm happy to do that too. But anyway, thanks again. Have a fantastic afternoon. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on Champions Forum in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Richard. And thanks very much for the opportunity to, yeah, to be on the podcast and for the Champions Forum as well. So, yeah, thanks. Good. All right. Fantastic. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Arate podcast with Richard Triggs. We frequently feature guests from organisations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organisation's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 517 or via email richardt at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network.